Welcome to the Stock and Shop Pod. It's our 11th episode. We're pumped to be back. And, and we have, we're hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're in my dorm room, and there is no AC, and it is hot outside. But you know what? What? This is raw. This is, We're doing this for, for the fans. That's okay. Just know that we're coming to you guys from a hostile environment. Yeah. This, this is a road game for us. You know, the odds are not in our favor. You know? But hey, we're like LeBron. We're the underdogs. We're still going to win. Mm. That's not what I was going for. It's but not, I like that line, too. Like, like the road team. Like the road team. Like the road we're warrior. LeBron, not warrior. We don't like them. I like the Warriors. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy our <laughs> podcast. The Sock Pod. Wow. Better ring. Whoa. Actually, worse ring. Yeah, it sounds much worse. Alan, so yeah. we talked about something that's going on in our lives, but I have a really big problem that it, I saw last night on the Metro. That you're hot. Yeah, I'm, I'm very frustrated by this. So... There was a couple, good for them. That's not the point. They were eating a Twix bar, and a Twix, right? They were sharing it. Mm-hmm. How do you think they were sharing it, Alan? Well, it depends if they were two right Twixes, two left Twixes. I think there were two right Twixes, but still, just looking at the Twix <laughs> as a as a as a unit or a, uh, a, as a, as a bar. Uh, how do you how do you share a Twix? So there are two of them. Right. So I imagine. Me giving you one of them and right. me taking the other. Correct. But, but I wouldn't share. I like I, I wouldn't share a Twix either, but the point is... Right. So, so here's the scenario. They're sharing a Twix. Great. They should take one out and each one should have one of the, the identical Twix bars. But no, that's not what they did. What they did was they opened it and they took turns taking bites out of both of them at the same time. Oh, you're joking. I can't handle it. I was like staring at them. Like, I wanted to yell at them like you're ruining Twixes for everyone. <laughs> this is not... Okay, with Kit Kats, you're not supposed... You should break them apart. We're a break it apart, Kit Kat, break the Kit Kat apart podcast, right? Maybe. But at least they come in one unit. Yeah. Twixes are totally... Se- the, the two cookies are totally separate entities. But they're still together. They're together the within day. the wrapping. But they're not supposed to be eaten together. You're supposed to eat them one at a time. Wow. So that, that, that's what's going on in my life right now. That's my big... It, that's what's going on for me. If anyone has any thoughts on that matter, yeah. please reach out to us. If you are someone... I don't want to like drive away fans, but if you're someone who like eats Twix like this, let us know and we can try to help. But... I don't, I don't know. I, I guess you have to eat Twix the right way if you want to come on the pod, but you can listen. If you want to listen, you can be anyone. Is that a good rule to have? Yeah, 100%. I think, I think we have to distinct, like, we only accept a certain level of guests, and the level is that you have to eat Twix a certain way. Daniel? Yeah. Uh, is it okay if I go on a little soliloquy a little? Go for it. Yeah, I just dropped soliloquy. Yeah. Check out that education. Boom. Smith School of Business. Business. Getting it done. Um, so, you were mentioning Twix. That got me hungry. I started thinking of how there's a new baker in Cleveland. Ooh, what's his name? Baker Mayfield. But, but don't worry. We're going to get into that later. We're going to get into the whole draft later, the NBA later, and the Cavs. And the Cavs. Cavs. No other team. No other team. We're not going to talk about the Warriors. Steph came back. We're not going to talk about the Celtics. Scary Terry. That's fine. We will. Um, you just want to talk about Scary Terry. Yeah, because he's from Cleveland. He's from Cleveland. Um, <laughs> but before that, we have an amazing interview with Jorge Castillo, the beat writer at the Washington Post for, for the, the Washington, Washington Nationals. Yep. And we hope you enjoy. We had a great time talking with him. And enjoy the interview. We now welcome to the pod Jorge Castillo. He is a Nationals writer working at the Washington Post. We are honored to have him on the show today. Welcome, Jorge. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. So um, let's get right to it. Let's do it, Daniel. So growing up, uh, the Nats obviously weren't around yet. So who was your team back then? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not from here, so... I'm from Massachusetts, so okay. Ooh. But I wasn't a Red Sox fan. I was a Yankee fan. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big Yankees fan. Um, so I grew up a Yankee fan, going to Yankee Stadium every summer. My parents were big Yankee fans. My parents are from Puerto Rico, but they have family in New York, so we'd always go uh-huh. uh, to Yankee Stadium every summer. 
So I didn't go to Fenway until I was like 16. So I grew up a, a Yankee fan. Uh, are you still a Yankees fan, or are you now? No, a no, no. That that stuff kind of gets wiped away. I actually covered the Yankees for like almost a year, like in fourteen Jeter's last year. So, oh wow, that wow. was a cool experience. But yeah, it, it kind of gets wiped away when when you're kind of in the business. You're not as much of a fan anymore. You still, right. I mean, you still love baseball and all that, but right, not really a fan. You gotta have to just follow follow each team. Right. What was it like growing up in enemy enemy territory and being was, a Yankees fan? Uh, it was great till like 04. <laughs> yeah. That, it, was it was great. Till, uh, but it was, it was a rough year. Dave Roberts stole second base. Um, uh, I mean, at, before that, you know, obviously. I mean, I was, in, you know, in the 90s, I was growing up, you know, I was a kid, elementary school, and it was easy being a Yankee fan, especially when your parents are pushing you that way because they're right. winning. You're impressionable. Right. Um, but looking back on it, sometimes you wonder, hey, it might have been a lot cooler if I was a Red Sox fan just because I'm from there and all my right. friends are Red Sox fans and. You know, they started winning, and it was pretty cool. Like, you know, you know, I, I, I was a big – I still like, you know, Pedro and David Ortiz and Manny. That was a, those, were, those were very cool teams to, like, you know. Kind yeah. Of, so, um, you know, I was happy for the Red Sox, you know, Red Sox fans. Up there, it's crazy, man. Like, especially in the mid-2000s when they were actually, you know, turning it around. And uh, Red Sox were always number one up there. So, it's it was cool to see. Nowadays, baseball is not really number one up there. It's Patriots and, and whatever, so – but it was cool to see in the mid two thousands that kind of change. Uh, that yeah, that that's so cool. And um, I, I'm a big Indians fan. So yesterday was a long, long day at the ballpark. Uh, it was we had a doubleheader, extra innings in the first game after a rain delay. Have you mm-hmm. ever had like an experience like that at the stadium? Uh, yes. I mean, I've, I've covered twenty inning games. I've covered. Whoa. Uh, you know, one time in, when I was covering the Mets in 13, they, uh, they played in Colorado and they had like double header and like 20, like 38 degree weather. It was pretty, yeah. like, it was like snowing the day before. Um, you know, double headers are always, you know, long days. Um, you know, I've covered double headers where there have been, a, there has been a rain delay. Um, you know, basically extra inning games like the worst, <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. You, you, hate, you hate complaining because it's, you know, it's just, you're just covering a baseball game. It's not like a real job. But, you know, the, the, the days get long and, you know, the way the pitching, the, the pitching changes and, you know, you hit like the 13th. By the time it's like the, after 12 innings, you're just kind of like, all right, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's enough. And I, I think Rob Manfred might be going in that direction, too, if he uh, right. decides to put a sec, uh, guy at second base after the 12th inning like they were doing in yeah. the World Baseball Classic. That that would be crazy. Do you think that's something that would be good for the game? Uh, I think – I mean, the problem is people so – they just resist change no matter what it is, whether it's baseball or outside of sports. They just don't like change. So I think it would be good. Um, I think ultimately what needs to happen is if you go into extra innings like that, um, teams either need to get an extra – a 26 man to, to be a pitcher for the next day or you just need to tr- find a way to kind of limit those games because – what happens is you, you, your bullpen gets shot, you know, or you have to use your next day starting pitcher. And then you start worrying about guys' health at that point. Um, you know, pitchers are always dealing with injuries and stuff. So if you overtax your bullpen or, you know, make a starting pitcher do a little more by coming out of the bullpen in the 16th inning or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's just not a good product at the end of the day. If you have a yeah. position player in the 17th inning, it's just not – that's not what you – you know, that's not what you want, you know, what you want to see. So I'm going to think eventually uh, changes will be made because it also people just leave. Like, people aren't watching that. Um, right. You know, if you're at the ballpark, um, you know, the, the, the Nats had an 18-inning game in the playoffs before I was on the beat, and people w- were leaving. <laughs> like, it was very cold. Um, it was a big playoff game, and people left. You know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not good for the customers, and the players hate it too. So. Yeah. But the, the thing I think a fan does like, though, is when they see, like, a Pablo Sandoval come into the game and pitch. Right. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. But but he did that in the you know right. during the game when there was a blowout. Um, you know, it's just extra inning games. I think for everyone involved, it's just kind of they uh, they're just not good for the game. It's just a matter of you know people you know the old purists whatever they call them um, don't want change. I think the change will eventually will come though. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I was watching the Indians game yesterday, and I think it was in the twelfth inning. It was a tied game, and uh, Solarte hit a grand slam. The second he hit it, you saw everyone just stand up and leave. <laughs> it was yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. 
you're like, I can't believe I just sat through 12 innings of baseball. And this is how we're rewarded. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, like there were probably players on the Indians that were just like, all right, or on the other team that was like, cool, all right, get out of here now. Like, 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 I mean, seriously, it's like that. Um, guys just want to see runs scored at that point. You know, you, you just don't want to drag it on. So you mentioned the World Baseball Classic. Uh, and one thing that's awesome about the World Baseball Classic is the energy and passion that uh, guys play with. How do you think we can, like, get more of that into the MLB? I mean, it's, it's back to, like, you know, just sort of old guard, sort of this idea of what, how baseball is supposed to be played and the rules and written and unwritten um, and all that. It's, we saw it the other day. It's not even so much even a – uh, an American versus Latin thing all the time. Like the other day, we saw Salvador Perez was was mad that Tim Anderson stole a base, I think it was, and was kind of celebrating because it was like a, you know, it wasn't a very close game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things like that. It's just like it's weird because we don't really see that in any other sport. Um, you know, if someone gets dunked on in basketball, like you know, a guy's gonna be in his face, and you know, the guy's not gonna get up the next time down and just like. Clock him in the face with an elbow. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you kind of just live with it. Like, don't get dunked on. Right. Um, and that's sort of my stance here. It's just like, you know, celebrations. Like, you know, it's cool. Guys love it until it's play. It's so like they were loving it when it was in Puerto Rico. Like when a couple weeks ago, when you know the Twins and the Indians yeah. played down there, there was a lot of energy. The players, like Lindor, hit that home run. That was yeah. on the real. Yeah, it was great. Um, it, it happens here though. It's like, it's like, oh, what are you doing? It's like. You know, it's just a regular season home run. It's like, why can't you celebrate the fact that you, that you did something well? Right. Why are you Why are you offended? I mean, don't if a pitcher gets offended by a backflip, then don't give up the home run. Right. And, yeah. and and if a pitcher, you know, and I'm all for like a a pitcher with a big strike. You know, if he strikes a guy out in a big situation, you know, fist pump, dance off the mound, whatever. It's more entertaining, man. Like all that stuff becomes, you know, we see that stuff on Instagram, we see it on Twitter, it becomes viral. It's like it's good for the game. Like, yeah, no one wants sterile boring stale um sports i mean baseball needs to sort of you know make it a little more exciting for people um i mean you guys are younger than me so i mean i don't know amongst your friends how how many people are like diehard baseball fans but um you know baseball is a very regional game right. uh, which, which is good in its own way but to like sort of make it like spice it up a little bit it doesn't hurt like you know bryce harper a couple of years ago he's changed a little bit now but you know when bryce harper was doing the ba- make baseball fun again and He's playing a little more flair. It was good for the game, yeah, in my it, opinion. Guys, guys getting excited never like, it just brings fans to the ballpark and gets more gets more kids excited about baseball. Right. Like when, when when I was growing up, which is not that long ago, but like, I remember like baseball was the thing. Everyone followed it, and now like the kids are kids. Like I see, they're more into back the NBA, the NFL, because that's what they can connect to more. And baseball doesn't have that same kind of influence. Right. No. Yeah. So, it, it, I agree. So you've been around a lot of clubhouses. What's like the What's your favorite clubhouse atmosphere, and what's the Nats clubhouse like nowadays? I mean, most of them are sort of the same. It's there isn't much deviation between them. I mean, the Yankees one was probably the coolest, just because you had Jeter in there. You know, I grew up a huge Jeter fan, so it was kind of like, you know, yeah. kind of surreal. And being in spring training with them, you, you know, you see like, you know, Rivera and Posada and. You know, Paul O'Neill and all those guys you kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I grew up like watching just because they were like around for like, you know, spring training instructors and all that. Um, so that was like the coolest one. That's probably the one that stands out the most. I mean, the Nats Clubhouse is cool. Um, you know, um, guys are fine. They're, they cooperate usually with the media and do, you know, stuff they have to do and listen to our questions. Most of them are pretty redundant, but <laughs> just the way it is. Um, they're, no, they're great. Um, you know, sometimes the, you know, guys don't want to talk after game. If they don't want to talk, they usually just skip out. You know, it happens. Um, but it's fine. There's not much deviation um, mm-hmm. between the different clubhouses. I mean, actually, there was one this week. So I went over to the Pirates clubhouse because they were in town this week playing the Nats. And uh, just to ask a guy a couple of questions. And I got in there and Felipe Vasquez, who used to be Felipe Rivero, who used to be a Nats reliever, was mm-hmm. DJing. Apparently, he has like a DJ set. <laughs> like an equipment he has his equipment it's like you know big like uh i forget what it's, it's like it's huge like just he just carries this huge trunk of equipment with him around it's like a laptop turntables speakers everything and he brings it everywhere they go so okay. i guess that was a that was kind of not the norm <laughs> yeah i guess I, I don't see the yankees no right 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 uh who would you say is the biggest character that you follow 
On the Nats, the Nationals right now? Anyone. Nats or anyone. Of any team. Oh, uh, that I follow. Uh, uh, character. I mean, the guy that I was talking about right now, Vasquez's <laughs> character, he, he just changed his name. Uh, I think it was last month. Just because? Apparently, it's his half-sister's last name, and he wanted to do it. I don't know. It's a weird story behind that, but he's kind of a world peace. Yeah, yeah, he's a little, he's a little, he's a little strange. Um, So I guess he's kind of weird. Um, (laughs) I mean, every every guy has their own like sort of. There's some guys who just aren't like weird, weird, but you know, they're they're just like human beings, and you know, every human being has their sort of quirks and stuff. So yeah, yeah. So I guess it depends, but that 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 guy comes to mind real quick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm a big Yankees guy. Hughes like. Did you get to like talk with Jeter, hang out with him? Like he, like, he's my idol growing up. So, what kind yeah. of? Yeah, like, I mean, I, you stories? know, before and after games, you know, interviews or whatever. Um, it was his last year, so it wasn't a, probably a proper sample size of like what covering him really was, because it was just kind of a zoo. Every city, right? He was, he was in. He had to do the whole like, you know, before the game farewell you know, tour. Yeah, farewell tour thing. You know, once in every city, he'd have to do the twenty-minute pregame uh, dugout <laughs> press conference and answer the same questions every time. And um, you know, he was getting a gift and in, in every in every city, and so it's kind of repetitive. And I don't, I mean, he took it well. Like he he played along, which I give him a lot of credit for, because you know I would have probably been frustrated by like the fifth city, but. Um, yeah, so it was great covering him, man. Like, like I said, I, I grew up watching him too. Like, I was, you know, a huge Yankee fan, so um, it was pretty surreal watching him and being there for his last year. I wasn't there. I wasn't there until the end because I came down to Washington uh, at the end of July. So, um, but it was cool up up until then. Oh, definitely. So, one of the biggest storylines around the Nationals this year and the whole MLB is Bryce Harper and his upcoming free agency. How do you think? that's impacted the team this year and what do you feel like is coming um, in terms of his decision? I don't think it's impacted the team much this year, um, at least the players themselves. Like they're like, whatever it's, you know, the guys don't really think about that stuff when they go to work. It's kind of like just when, when the game today type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the Nationals is very smart um, and they should have done this earlier, but, you know, given the contract extension of Mike Rizzo um, was big both just for the fact that he's built a very good team the last, you know, decade or so. And also because, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, you don't want to be on a GM search when you have a free agent, the biggest free agent in in baseball, you know, like you don't want to be dealing with the GM search while trying to convince a guy to stay. So that was pretty inevitable. Um, Smart move. Should have done it earlier in my opinion, but um, it happened. So that was good. I mean, besides that, I mean, there are a lot of variables involved. Like, you know, um, right now he loves Dave Martinez, apparently. He, I don't know if you saw his Instagram post and Twitter. Uh, it was on Twitter, too, that, you know, giving him a hug and saying he, like, loves the guy. And, you yeah. know, after the, after the game the other day, he spoke really well, you know, spoke really highly of him. So that's good, too. You know, he likes the manager. He likes the general manager. That's two <laughs> things going, you know, those are two things going the Nationals way. But there are a lot of variables involved, you know, like, how the season plays out, um, you know, how far the, the Nats go, how well he does, um, right. you know, injuries to other players, how the Dodgers do, how the Cubs do, what the Cubs think about it, the Dodgers. There are a lot of variables involved. Um, so it's too early to say. Um, I would say, I will say this, though. I, I, I do think the Nationals have a bigger shot of retaining him or resigning him than I thought maybe like six months ago. Uh-huh. So Yeah, um, I got that sense, too. Yeah, so – yeah, it's a lot of things going on. It's a lot of variables, a lot of factors that are, you know, it's still May 3rd or 4th, whatever it is. So it's pretty early. Yeah. So it, it is early, but you can kind of get a sense of how the season's going. So mm-hmm. I know you're very focused on the Nats, but across baseball, what do you think has been the best storyline or biggest storyline this year? Oh, well, it's, it's probably Otani, I would say. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just for the fact that he's kind of like he's breaking barriers in a way. Like, you know, during spring training even, it, when he was struggling, guys, you know, the anonymous scout or anonymous executive, whatever, was saying, oh, he can't do it. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. He can't, you know, go both ways and, and be effective at both and, and all this stuff. And he's obviously proven, at least, I mean, it's really early. I mean, part of the problem, part of the, the people's worries was, uh, you know, the guy can't do it over the course of a full season. Mm-hmm. But uh, so far, man, and he's proven he's, <laughs> 
He's like the fastest guy on the Angels. He has power. He throws 101 miles an hour. It's yeah. just pretty incredible. Yeah. So I think it's just like a big deal because it it might open the door for more two way players. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. I, like I know the Rays drafted that McKay kid out of Louisville, who's trying to go both ways. Yeah. Uh, he, first, the the third first baseman. Yeah, so he's, he's yeah. I think he's the fourth pick and. Yeah, he might. Uh, he's trying to do both first base, I think, and then pitching as well. He's a left-hander, so um, you know, even a guy like Hunter Green. I know Hunter Green's basically just just um, pitching right now, but um, the guy, the number one pick, I think it was number two pick by the Reds. He's number two pick, yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, if if Otani can prove he can do it, then teams maybe down the line will be more open to the idea of letting guys go. Uh, you know, be a two-way player. So right. and, I'm, and- I'm all for it. It's good. It makes things more interesting. Right. And I, I had confidence in Otani the whole time because when I think back to my high school baseball days, yeah. I played both ways, you know? <laughs> right. I was a pretty good pitcher through 45 miles per hour gas. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I hit too. It's all about timing. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just obviously like the, it's, they were worried about the workload. You know, guys need a couple of days off after pitching, you know, throwing 100 pitches or whatever it is. And this guy was on like a six – kind of a not a six-man rotation but he pitched every pretty much every fifth or sixth day every sixth day so he wasn't doing it with the what guys do here so it, it, you know all the adjustments and stuff and also i think just the fact that you know guys have flamed down the past from japan so we kind of it's like the uh it's like the Amer- it's like how nba people or americans think of like the the european basketball player who comes over here right you know we automatically assume they're all soft and you know tall white guy whatever he's kind of soft um, I think there is sort of a stereotype involved with Japanese players as well. So yeah. um, and, that didn't help. And we, we have a segment on the podcast called Oh Hey Shohei, where we oh. basically update like all about Otani, like at the end of every week. And he's just like so fun to follow. And one thing that we talk about is, yeah, flaming out needs to be on the radar. But I also think he seems like the type of guy, just unleash him. See what like, I think they should just let him play a lot more than he is and, and see how far he can go. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's only getting paid like $2 million or whatever. I mean, they only pay like $2 million for to sign him and then are mm-hmm. paying, paying him basically like minimum. So right. uh, it's like the best deal in baseball by far. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they obviously probably have some numbers or like some kind of idea, like workload, if they're a little – you know, analytics department sort of figuring that out in terms of what he can do and what's his how to optimize him and his, his output. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it's all probably trial by error at this point because no one's done this at this level in such a long time. Right. So last question. Um, we still have like five months left till the playoffs, but what's something that, you know, that our listeners and we should look for for the rest of the season, both either from the Nats or from the whole week? Uh, well, just from that perspective, you know, just they, they're finally at 500 again. Um, see, things seem to be turning around. I, I still consider them the favorites to win the division. We've we're already seen the, the Mets kind of fall apart here. Uh, the Braves offensively are there. They're a very good offensive team with Acuna, who's another exciting player who might be the number yeah, two storyline. Awesome. Um, you know, between him and Albies, who are like the two youngest players in baseball, uh, always just killing the Nats and pretty much killing everybody. Um, uh, obviously, that's a very. Those are two teams that maybe the Mets and the Braves, the Braves especially, that can maybe contend for a wild card spot. But I think the Nationals, when you know Rendon's probably going to come back this weekend, um, you know I, Murphy and Eaton are kind of a little more far off. But with this starting pitching, and if they can sort of figure it out with the bullpen, I think um, you know the the Nationals are are probably the best team in the division. So I expect them to kind of like figure it out and. And it, it, I always tell people with the Nets, it's all, it can always get worse. Just look at you know, what's happening to the Dodgers right now. Yeah, <laughs> the, right. Dodgers are, the Dodgers are, you know, they don't have their best player for the rest of the year. Ryu is yeah. out till like July. Um, J- Jansen doesn't look like himself. Um, Justin Turner's still hurt. Puig is on the DL. Um, so, you know, it can always get worse. And the Nationals are, you know, they're still without three like, all-star level players and Eaton Murphy and Rendon. But if Rendon comes back and, um, you know, Zimmerman can kind of figure it out here. They still have that starting pitching, and the back end of the bullpen still very good. So I think they're still, uh, you know, at 500 on May 3rd, the favorite probably to win the division still. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. We had a great time talking to you. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Have no problem. Uh, man, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. That was a fun one.
That was great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Jorge Castillo for coming on the pod, talking some baseball. You know, in in the times of uh, NBA playoffs and NFL draft, baseball kind of gets lost, but it's it's you know, it's the game of summer, and we're kind of getting into summer, and so over the summer I think we're gonna talk a lot more about baseball. But right now it's good to get a little taste of what's going on in baseball. It really feels like the summer in where we're recording right now. I would like to make a hot take. Um, right now, Go. that the whole episode is one big hot take because it's so hot in here. Yeah, so for context, for those who may not know, we are in our recording in my dorm room. Um, there is no AC. I am sweating. We are both sweating. I am on my second t-shirt of the day. Um, second t-shirt of the pod. Of the pod. Uh... I thought about tweeting out a picture, but then we're like... Mm, I don't think that's the message. I don't Dan- think that's the image we want out there about the pod. It's the image I want of myself out there, but Daniel... Yeah, that's for our personal Facebook page. Daniel Vito. No, no. What are you trying to say? I'm, I'm just saying, like, the 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 pit stain pick is more of a personal type thing. I don't think it really represents our podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, I feel like that's like a... Speaking of really hot, quick jump into LeBron James. LeBron James... LeBron James. He's a good basketball player. He's okay. He's fine. Um, I'm going to go into some good basketball analysis. Okay? Go. Some high quality stuff. Go. Hit the listeners with it. Uh, I think the main thing that obviously LeBron's unreal. We all know that. Good but at basketball. One, one of the most important things to this game for the Cavs specifically was how Kevin Love got involved early. Um, Are you saying Kevin Love is better than LeBron? I think that's exactly what I'm saying. Whoa, I take I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious. And 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 from a camaraderie perspective, the Cavs are all about establishing the love between everyone. Ooh. I know. His name is Love. Yes, I wrote that pun down when I thought of it. All about um, establishing the love. <laughs> we should make like a, a bootleg podcast of Just what puns? goes into making the podcast. We should make like a, a, document, a docu-series making... 60 for 60. 60 Shock, for 60. 60 for 60. Well, it will be 60 episodes, it's, it's, each one 60 minutes, about our 60-minute podcasts. See, I viewed it 60 for 60 for 60. I viewed it differently. It's a play off of 30 360, for 30. 360. English. Yeah, like 360? Like three, like 60 times 60 is There'll be 60 shows, each 60 minutes long, about our 60-minute podcast. Wait, let's multiply 360 by 60. Let's see if I can do it. One thousand nine hundred. No, I almost had it. Three sixty by sixty. Wait, wait, wait. twenty. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's do this faster. Three sixty. Two thousand six hundred sixty. Bang. Three sixty by sixty. Yeah. I think you're too low. Twenty. Twenty six thousand. Three sixty. Okay. We're bringing out our calculator. No, 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 no. no. Wait, wait. I want to do this. Sixty times three hundred. Daniel, put the calculator away. Would be. Don't look. No, at Brendan, where are you at? <laughs> what did I say? Because I was Wait, wrong. Sixty times three hundred is one eighteen thousand, and then wait, three thousand twenty one thousand six hundred. Delay of game, Daniel. Well, you are correct. Boom! Let's go. After the buzzer sounded, though. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. So, um, after the Cavs got the love involved, um, Wait, what was the point of us doing that math? Because we were talking about 60, 60 by 60 by right, 60. So, it, it, so no point if, at if all. If we're making a docu-series, we'll call it 21,600. Just because. We, and we'll just like, be like, figure it out. And we hope you enjoyed the first five minutes of this segment of yeah. us doing that. Right. So establishing the love, I think the will really that opens everything else up. Meaning LeBron's able to attack, facilitate the Cavs. The Raptors have to think about all the different directions that the Cavs can come at them from. And also, big shout out to George Hill. I don't think he got enough credit last night. A really under the radar 13 points. I'll guess with a 5 for 7 from the field. I checked this out earlier. Let me see if I got it right. But I think um, the efficiency from him was huge. And also, He's a little bit quicker. It's a different um, game style than a LeBron and a Kevin Love. Dana, what were your thoughts on the Cavs' performance? Last uh, night? Le- I'm going to focus on LeBron James. I mean, I think oh, five for eight. It nice. Close. It's it's very important that like the team is cooking, but it all comes back to LeBron because I, this team is fine, but LeBron is just 
LeBron's really, really, really good. And this is not really a hot take, but he just he keeps one upping himself in the playoffs. Where he's like, oh, LeBron had his peak playoff performance, and then he does this. He had 14 points, one turnover. I mean, 14 assists, one turnover, 43 points. He hit crazy fadeaway jumpers in everyone's face. He took it to the basket strong, great finishing. He shot 19 for 28 from the field. I mean, he just keeps out like outdoing himself. Like he's not even trying to trace Jordan. I'm not. I'm not saying like he's already surpassed Jordan. That's for a different time, a different argument for a different time. But like he's. I, I don't. Th- I don't even think we need to have that argument. It's obvious, but go ahead. Are you saying LeBron is obviously better than Jordan? Okay, Daniel, another time. Another time. Okay, we'll have a long podcast about that one. But I think he's not even... He's just trying to, like, outdo himself now. Where he's, like... He just keeps challenging himself. And it looked like he was, like, playing around out there a little bit. Like, I'll try this fadeaway jumper. And then that fadeaway jumper. And they kept falling. I was joking about with one of my friends that last night LeBron was trying to become GOAT. Meaning, it was literally... Like you just said, him one-upping himself. What can he do to show everyone? And and I was watching the Sixers-Celtics game. We'll get to that soon. Uh, and LeBron is just... I'm like, the first second I turned it on, I'm like, LeBron is better than every single one of these guys by so much. People talk about, okay, Ben Simmons could be the next one. Yeah, he, he has the frame. If he puts in the work, you never know. But LeBron... Like we, like us at the Sock and Shaft pod. Like a fine wine. Right. Gets Ages better well. over time. Right, I think... Yeah. yeah. We're like 11 okay. episodes in, like 11 years in. 100%. And and before we move on from the Cavs, um, I want to share a couple of my Cavs puns. Oh, um, go, go, go. So, the Raptors' best chance of winning the two games in Toronto was if they didn't let LeBron through customs. Uh, they shouldn't have let him through. Nice, that was their nice, only nice, chance. nice, nice. Uh, also, LeBron is the reason that Raptors are extinct. Ooh, nice, nice. Um, and then, just to remind our listeners, in case they forgot, it is very hot in here. My second shirt. No, it's actually pretty good. It's actually pretty good. It's holding up pretty it's well. white. Right. If it was a darker color. Oh, no. Never mind. Okay. And we're back. And we're back! <laughs> um, so, speaking of hot, Steph Curry. Comes yeah. right into the game. But, Daniel. But before oh. we go to that, I have a, a new segment specifically for LeBron. It's called the Skip Bayless Flaw Find, where I pretend I'm Skip Bayless and I find flaws, ridiculous flaws, with LeBron's game. So here we go. <laughs> um, he didn't take it to the basket enough. I, I think he didn't really use mismatches well. Instead of um, taking it to the basket and getting um, letting guys come on and um, the bigs come in and help, he um, shot fadeaway jumpers, which he made. But what if he didn't make them, right? Right? Right. He relied on his jumper too much. And another thing... It's like saying Steph shoots too many threes. No, it's not. Steph's smaller, okay? Okay. Steph Curry is a fundamentally sound player. LeBron is just a big guy. And a fundamentally sound player. I'm being Skibayless here. Oh, my bad. Also, the NBA defenses today are far weaker than they used to be. Jordan would put up 70 on these guys. Easy. (laughs) Thank you. That was the Skibayless flaw find. Um, shout out to the Bronto. That's one of the best like combination things that I've seen in a long time. The Bronto. I think I think the um, the Wikipedia page at one point said that LeBron is like the mayor or the governor or whatever. Oh, he of is. Toronto. I was joking with my sister this morning that the shout U- out to family. Sh- oh, getting emotional. Yeah. Um, we're a family friendly podcast. The. Man, I just got emotional. What was I going to say? My sister and I, speaking about family, we... That's why I said it. Yeah. Daniel, heck yeah, dude. Uh, I... Lock in, Al. You can do it. Alan. Let's go. Let's go. So, um, we were joking about how the UN made an announcement today that they're forcing Canada to change the name of Toronto to LeBronto. Really? Yeah. They actually did? Yeah. I don't. I don't think that's true. I don't think it is either. Yeah, but that's a good one, though. Yeah, thank you. Definitely should do that. Thank you. Um, by the way, Daniel. Yeah. Is there something special going on this Sunday? There or is, is that next? No, Sunday? it's next Sunday. That'll be for next pod. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for next week. Yeah. Um. So you you did mention the Warriors before Skip Bayless really yeah. interrupted you. And we are Warriors, going through the adversity of this heat. By yeah. Way. You know it's a hot room, and we're just. We're fighting through it for, for, for you guys, the listeners and the fans. Um, but speaking of Warriors, 
Steph is back. He came in first possession off the bench in game two. Bombed a three. Bang! And then he had this one, like, like a few minutes later, he saved the ball from going backcourt and then took two dribbles and pulled up from 30. Bang! Um, he was just he was locked in from the start. He, like, he literally didn't miss a beat. Bang! Bang! Oh, was I not supposed to do it? No, that? it's all good. It's okay. fine. It's, it's the it's the message behind it. Um, he's been playing really. He played really well that game one. I mean, game two, his first game back, and the Warriors have just been looking solid. Like this this um this New Orleans team ran through Portland, which is a good team, and now they can't really seem to be. They they can't really get the same thing going against the Warriors. Obviously, the Warriors are a much better team. But still, like, and the Warriors haven't necessarily been playing that great. Last game, Steph was the only guy who really shot well. Like, KD did not shoot well until the, like, the, until the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He was just shooting 6 for 17, then he ended up 11 for 23. My birthday. Nice. Um, not 11 for, 11, 23. 11, 20, no. Just clear. I, I understand, yeah. No, I know, just for our listeners. 11 for 23. <laughs> <laughs> um... And uh, Clay didn't shoot so well, but and, and Steph really like got the offense sparked, and then everything started rolling, and it wasn't really like it was close in the fourth row a little bit, but it didn't end up being close. So they're kind of cruising right now. They're back to like the machine that they we usually know them as. Not kind of they they stumbled into the playoffs, and now they kind of found their rhythm again. So um, I'd say Golden State definitely is the favorite right now. Yeah, to I win, agree. Win it all. Uh, I do not agree. You think the Cavs are the favorite to win it all? Biasedly, yes. But unbiasedly, I don't. I don't understand. Is that a different language? Unbiased. Unbiased. I'm not familiar with the word. Do you mean to tell me that you think, logically, based on your knowledge of basketball, that you would say the Cavs could beat the war, like our favorite would be favored to beat the Warriors right now? I'll tell you what my knowledge of basketball tells me. Okay. Okay. That you cannot underestimate greatness. Meaning, give me one second. Let me back it up. Okay. Skip. Um, I'm not. I'm not being skip right now. This is me. I think the Warriors are did, better than the. Did Cavs. you make a formal statement that said I am no longer Skip Bayless? I am no longer Skip Bayless. Thank you. I never was. I, I'm no longer playing or acting like Skip Bayless right now. I am being impartial and myself, Daniel. Oh, okay. And we're back. They, we are back. So as I was saying that. I think what you see with LeBron playoff teams, especially a team that just got uh, together like this one, they get so much better from series to series. You see them gelling more. You see they're starting to run a couple more sets that they can come at you in different ways. That it can be some nights Corver and JR hitting threes on LeBron kickoffs. Sometimes kickouts, not kickoffs. I love football. Um, <laughs> and other times it could be LeBron attacking the basket and finishing on his own or Kevin Love. And, and you see there are many different ways that we can come at you guys. Yeah, I said we. Loud and proud, baby. <laughs> um, and I think that you got to wait a couple weeks. You got to see where. Let's talk on June 1st because I think there's a very good chance that the Cavs could be meshing, gelling. You don't know if the Rockets Warriors are going to beat each other up. You don't that's know. That's true. Uh, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, why would I favor a team that still might be gel- that that might gel together and favor them over a team which has been gelling together for the last three years and won the most games in a three game stretch, three three year stretch. Right. So you're ex- you, sorry, last four years. You don't expect the Warriors to fizzle out here. No, this is what they're built for. So I just used that opportunity for a good transition there. I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to Dave Fisdale. Um, You see what I did there? I do see what you did there. Thank you. Um, So Dave Fisdale, again, I barely, like, know NBA coaches. I just kind of know what I hear. but And also what I see. And and from what I've heard, the way people talk about Dave Fisdale and also the press conferences that I've watched, I remember when – a couple of years back when he kind of went to war during the playoffs for, yeah, the, for, the, for the Grizzlies, yeah, right? The Spurs, yeah, yeah. Um, that pumps me up. And I yeah. think that's going to bring a culture change to New York. Mm-hmm. That's going to be amazing. And, and it's great for the league when a big market franchise is good. It has a good, it has a, a good energetic coach that like, has a background leading good teams. Exactly. And, and you, I remember, I always remember the, um, by the way, 76ers. Yeah. The assistant coach that I mentioned a couple weeks back from the Cavs that we couldn't remember what team he was on. He's on the 76 Okay, got it. Nice. Cool, for fa- Alan. For fans who are really curious about that, now you feel now, now we're, uh, we're back, we're caught up, 
now we can really continue. Right. Um, and, uh, Danny, what was I saying? You were talking about Brett Brown. I'm, I'm sorry, you weren't talking about Brett Brown. Dave Fisdale. You were talking oh, about Dave Fisdale. You remember how much a LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh, they respected Dave Fisdale. And, and it says a lot when guys like that, as proven as accomplished, like them, um, respect Dave Fisdale on that right. type of level. So I think that's a great move for the NBA. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, and he's going to meet Kristaps um, today. He flew in. He flew to meet Chris. Meet with Kristaps to talk about him. I think he'll. I think he'll keep Kristaps on board. And I heard today, just like every year, Knicks are going after LeBron. So. Oh, and now there's the, actually a little substance for that. What are the chances the Knicks get LeBron, and then they can have the two most formidable wing score wing players in the NBA? Who, Kristaps? No. What do you mean who? LeBron James. And. Michael, Michael Beasley. Beasley my bad. Michael Beasley is. I would say he's a better. <laughs> he's a better natural scorer than LeBron James. Hot take. I agree with that. He's, he's putting the ball in the basket. Beasley's more of a. Um, Beasley's more of a. Kevin Durant, a natural right. talent. Would you say scorer. that like he's like Kevin Durant from the left side? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, that's what people say. Mm-hmm. People like, say it for a reason. I'm very surprised that they didn't play more because like whenever they played him, he would just get 30. Like, actually, I'm not even like, like no. Michael Beasley Should jokes we check aside. Out his per 36. Yeah, let's go. I think it's very. I think it's better than Carmelo Anthony's, but that's not saying much. But whatever. Hot take. Not hot take. More like a spicy. More take. like a. I mean, a spicy take. Just like you gotta, you gotta watch this guy. Per. 36 um, going to get per 36 minutes. This year. 21.3 points per 36. Nine rebounds. This dude's three, producing. All-star. All-star level. Hey, um, Coach Fizz, we know you're listening. Back when he played with Houston, he had 25 in per 36. Put put the GOAT in the game. Put Michael Beasley in the game. Just get him the ball. Forget Kristaps for a minute. Like, he's a good player. He's a good second, third guy. Get the ball to Michael Beasley. Okay. Moving on from non-playoff Daniel, teams. I'm scared. You're scared? I'm scared. Or the LeBron might go to the Knicks? No. I'm scared of Terry. Oh, he is pretty scary. Scary Terry of the Boston Celtics has been lighting it up. Of Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland. This Shaker is... Heights, Ohio. <laughs> Shaker Heights, it's a, suburb. it's a suburb. It's a suburb. But Basically, it's a different town, right? Like, technically, how, yes. it's how a different it, city. Shaker, like, if you're like, okay, Scary Terry, you're, you're taking a test or whatever, like a standardized test. Shaker Where Heights, do you say your Shaker Heights, comma, Ohio, yes. right? So not Cleveland. Are you saying I'm not from Cleveland? Are you from Beachwood? Beachwood. But yeah, it's like Cleveland, but like Shaker Heights, you know? No. No. <laughs> no. I'm the I'm the Ohio kid here. I know how it how it works. I know how if, cities if and Beachwood towns is work. Cleveland, Shaker Heights is Cleveland as well. But but maybe it isn't Cleveland. Ooh. I'm saying Beachwood and Shaker Heights are. When you Cleveland. say what's your hometown? Cleveland, Ohio. But like, if you actually like, needed your address, uh, Beachwood, your Beachwood, Beachwood Ohio. comma Ohio. Right, but I'm saying okay. You just said Beachwood. Like I'm not is from Cleveland. I'm not from Washington D.C. I know you're not. But I'm close. I'm very close to it. Daniel, Daniel, so I'm, I'm not, 20 I'm not to get arguing to what you're saying now. Twenty minutes. How long does it take to get to Cleveland from Beachwood? How long does it take to get there? It takes me twenty minutes to get to D.C. I'm not from D.C. though, brother. <laughs> Wait, Daniel, I'm not arguing what you're saying now. I'm arguing what you said earlier. Okay. You said Shaker Heights is different. I said no, I'm from Cleveland. No, I'm saying like you gotta be from Cleveland because that's your thing. Right, 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 right. No, but that's not necessarily Scary Terry's thing. But I'm te- I'm saying if you said that Beachwood is Cleveland Wait. using the transitive property. Ooh, nice man. Shaker Heights equals Beachwood equals Cleveland. Shaker Heights equals Cleveland. Fine, but I'm but I went I'm ready. back on that a little bit. Um, and I said Beachwood's not Cleveland. UMD. I'll, t- I'll take my degree now. Yeah. Alan's transferring. He's becoming a math major. And he will focus exclusively on the real-world applications of the transitive property. <laughs> that's it. I think like that's the so, one, uh, transitive property is the one that most people use. And like they don't really know what it means. It's like transitive property. I got it. Things. This is the best one we've had yet. Go. Sock and shelf pod. Yeah. E- oh, I messed up. LeBron James equals goat equals sock and shelf pod. Help me out with LeBron that. LeBron James equals sock and shelf pod. We are LeBron James. We are. LeBron James. We Fox are. Sports. Fox Sports. We are. How's it work? We're not Fox Sports. We are. We're not affiliated with any with any sort of media company. Really. Yeah. But that's a good opportunity to give a quick shout out to yeah. our friends at Anchor. Anchor. 
Thank you so much. Where, where do you even start? Yeah, they, I mean, they're the reason we're doing this, and uh, we, could, we couldn't be more thankful. Um, back to some talk about Terry Rozier. He's been playing great, super efficient at the one. Um, he's put up 19-7-5 and five in the, um, throughout the playoffs. Um, Minimal turnovers. 1.4 turnovers per game. He's shooting 44% from three in the playoffs, 82% from the line. He's just like the perfect point guard right now, and the, the, the ball is moving when he's out there. He gets out in transition. He's super athletic, super quick, and he may be part of my hot take later. It's possible. Yeah. Yes, Alan. I was raising my hand for those that couldn't see. Daniel, people are like, how does someone like Terry Rozier just pop onto the scene? Where did he come from? Who, how do we miss him early? Like, where right. was he before? How is he so skilled now? Right. So I have some good friends that put in so much work at a gym called Lifetime Fitness. Shout out to Lifetime Fitness. And these friends would always take videos of Terry Rozier putting in work there in the offseason. You don't just wake up one day being this good. You can wake up being good, but not this good. This guy puts in work, and he deserves all the success he has. Right. If you look at like how he like he started with the cell, he was a rookie in twenty fifteen, one point eight points a game. Mm. Then his minutes jumped by double, five point five points per game. Now his minutes are up to like twenty six a game in the regular season, eleven point three points a game. And now he's actually getting a chance to really play. His minutes are up to thirty five a game, and now he's putting up nineteen a game. So. It- a huge jump for Terry Rozier. Yeah. I really love watching him play. He's super quick down the court. He had this crazy Euro step. He reminds me of myself. NBA. Yeah, he does remind. He reminds me of Allen also. Allen just like just if you've down the court. If you've watched me play, I'm the total opposite of that. You're kind of. I'd say you're kind of like Michael Beasley. But righty. But righty. So therefore, Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. Whoa. Transitive so Al- property. Allen's NBA, NBA comp is Kevin Durant. Daniel, you mentioned someone. Um, that has worked very hard. And before we mention the guy that's worked very hard, let's, do let's talk about the Louisville brother. The Louisville connection. Donovan Mitchell. I think he's the rookie of the year. Sorry, Ben Simmons. He just lifted up the whole franchise, the whole Jazz franchise after losing Hayward. Everyone's like, okay, they're done. Forget it. Bring in Ricky Rubio. Bring in Donnie Mitchell. I call him Donnie because we're boys. Um, he's putting up 26-6-4 in the playoffs. He's scoring in, cl- uh, in crunch time. He's been... Outplaying, he outplayed Russell Westbrook first round. Now he's been now now he's he's been um, playing really well against the Rockets. Super efficient. Last game he had seventeen points, eleven assists. Yes, Alan. Um, Daniel, when you compare the Rookie of the Year race to the MVP race, yeah, uh, do you think like you could match Mitchell with Braun, or you know what I'm saying? Do you think like would you say Harden's the Mitchell, LeBron's the Mitchell? Can you I give can't, our? I can't compare it because. I don't know. It's to- it's totally different because I I don't know. It, it, I hear I hear what you're saying. Like guard, like, kind of like a scoring guard, you know, good shooter, and then you have like the guy who's more like a LeBron type in Simmons. But I, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't see it the same way. I I feel like I feel like LeBron should be the MVP just because of how much he's like dragged the Cavs into the playoffs as opposed to Harden. Like kind of like he's he's great, but he's great on a Great team. I don't know, but it's, it, it's difficult. They're they're both so good, so I don't know where to go with that. But co rookie of the years. I, I think it should be Mitchell though. I think Mitchell. I don't know. They're both really good. It's hard to choose between the top two guys. It's just they're give it, give it to both of them. Yeah. No, we don't do like participation trophies here. Uh-huh. We're an anti participation trophy podcast. Oh, speak for yourself. So, <laughs> Daniel, we mentioned. We've been talking about Terry Rozier, someone that's worked very, very hard. Someone that has worked very, very hard to get to where he is today. Someone that was a multi-time, I'll say a two-time walk-on that became a Heisman quarterback winner and is now your franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Brownies from Oklahoma University. Baker Mayfield. Tyrod Taylor. You guys heard my pun earlier. There's a new Baker in town. These brownies are going to be really, really good. I might be a little thirsty, but thank God we have a lot of juice. Ooh. Ooh. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's nickname is Juice for everyone who didn't know that. And Daniel, like what I love so much about the Bakerfield pick is that (laughs) I got (laughs) this year's Bakerfield last was Brockweiler. 
Nice. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Hopefully. I have so many. Hopefully, it's not the same results as Brock Lauer. Okay, Alan, Alan, don't think about the past. Think about the future. How fun, excited. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Uh, Baker Mayfield, unbelievable. And and I think it's so cool that the Browns picked a winner. Okay, and I know all of you guys check out our Facebook page all the time. Yeah. I had this amazing post. I can't believe I just called my own post amazing. It was it was very excellent. It's like guys. So many people are grading the draft right after it happens. And by the way, quick tangent, I just thought of this. I want to give a shout out to Peter Kink, who recently announced his retirement from Sports Illustrated and is moving on to a new uh, opportunity with NBC, where Peter King is someone I've grown up with reading his articles, and they've been amazing. And specifically, uh, Peter King came to Maryland, and I attended his event, and it was really special, and he took the time of day to listen uh, to what I had to say to answer my questions, and we had a really, really special conversation. And I'm grateful for the impact he had on me throughout my childhood and and what happened here at Maryland when he came. And as I was saying about the draft, we act like we all know so much. We act like we know these quarterbacks. We know these people. What are the Browns doing taking Mayfield over the other quarterbacks? What are the Browns doing taking Ward over Chubb? How many people can name where Chubb went to college NC State? Like, how many people can do that, though? I, I have barely watched any Bradley Chubb film. I've watched even less Denzel Ward film. I've watched zero Denzel Ward film. Great. But I'm saying as Daniel, and I, I think we're pretty knowledgeable guys when it comes to sports. Probably. But I don't think that it's our place to judge these picks until three years out. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a, there's a responsibility to create content. That like that's where it comes from. I don't think they actually like okay like, te- got people want to see like okay my team did great my team did badly like whatever like people want to talk and I think that's all it's for. So let's talk positive. Right, but I'm we saying- got this guy that's a winner, right. always a winner. We got this guy in a Greg Williams defense where you want your shutdown corners to unleash everyone else. There's this great wow I'm getting heated. Let's go. And it is hot in here. Just to remind right. you guys, uh, Greg Williams said that Miles Garrett 28 times I think it was were two was two or three steps away from sacking the quarterback. The thing to make and Miles Garrett is good. He's good yeah. at football. And having a Denzel Ward a shutdown corner can delay the quarterback that much longer. I don't know 2 or 3 seconds probably less than that. Like 2 or 3 seconds is a long time. Once tried even. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think that the Denzel Ward pick is great. Yeah. And trust these guys. John Dorsey is someone that knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. I, th- I think cornerbacks, are like, they, they don't have the same type of – people don't look at them the same way in the draft as, as pass rushers. But the impact they can have is huge. If you look at the Panthers from the year they went to the Super Bowl to the year they – to two years ago where they were like, what, 8-8? Eight and eight, They didn't make mm-hmm. the playoffs or something, 9-7? and seven. Most of the team was the same. Josh Norman wasn't there anymore. And the impact a shutdown corner could have, we just high-fived. The impact a shutdown corner can have on a defense, not just like in like terms of on the field, but also just a mentality. That kind of like, I'm coming at you, nothing you can do about it, I'm shutting down their top guy. That takes a lot from the the other team's offense and adds a lot for the defense, both, both with on-the-field product and also just how you feel. 100%. So and- I feel like that could be a really great pick for them. I was surprised. I thought they were going to go Chubb. But that was just based on what I've been reading. I don't really know. I I follow college basketball much more than college football. So like I know the guys. I don't I don't know how they play though. So that uh, was interesting. Daniel, you mentioned the Panthers. Uh shout out to the Panthers for selecting DJ Moore. Go Terps. Wide receiver out of Maryland. A Woo! first round pick. Yeah. Twenty seventh overall? Twenty sixth. Brendan. Brendan. <laughs> Wait, I have it right here. 24th. Oh, shoot. 24th? I was closer, though. Picked the first wide receiver in the draft. Was he actually? Yeah. He was. Calvin Ridley. Ridley was after him. Ridley was 26. Ah, okay. So I, I, I win. So let's let's play another transitive property game. Okay. I, Alan, right. go to Maryland. Correct. DJ Moore goes to Maryland. Correct. Alan equals DJ Moore. Correct. Therefore, Allen equals, Allen equals first number round. one receiver in the NFL rookie class. 
Yeah, and and I'd like to thank my family and friends for helping me get to this point. That's specifically, really what it's all, about. all my physical therapists, chiropractors, yeah, uh, sports medicine doctors. It's, it's been quite. It's been it's quite the family. journey. And and they say like, what do they say that like, it's not a person. It's a. Uh, it's who they have behind them. It's not. It's not. It's a, It's everything together. Wow, I don't want to cry. Oh man, this is emotional. Daniel, what do you think about Saquon Barkley? Saquon. I am so pumped the Giants got Saquon Barkley. People are like, oh, it's not a good value pick. Uh, the dude hurdles, guys, gets hit, remains, lands, rema- keeps running. I watch some of his highlights. He goes in between five or six guys and he bursts. He has the quickest burst I've ever seen of any prospect or any guy in the NFL, except maybe, young, maybe young Chris Johnson. I say from a, from a running back. Okay, cool. Because it's a different type of cut that they'll be making, you know? Yeah. I'm pumped. I, I that's all I had to say. Like, I said, yeah, I, I just started watching some of his highlights, showing different people his highlights. Like, this is Saquon. Look at Saquon. He had this one play where he hurdled from the five yard line or something, and he like hurdled a guy and then like hit two other guys and kept like brought them all into the end zone. He's a can't miss prospect, and I, it's sometimes you gotta make you pick the best player. Yeah. I don't think we loved any of the quarterbacks. Maybe maybe Bay, maybe Bayfield. Bayfield. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe Baker would have been the top of our list, but he was taken. So, at that point, you know, you just take the guy you want, and I think we did. And you know what? If we need, put Saquon at quarterback, run the Wildcat. He probably can throw just as well as Tebow. Hot take. Hot take. Not so much of a hot take. That's kind of mean. I feel bad. I like like Tebow. Whatever. (laughs) Tebow, if you're listening, we'd like to have you on so we can apologize. Yeah, on-air apology is always very nice, and we'd like to talk to you. Just be cool. Seemed like a nice guy, special guy. Right. Daniel? Yeah. What are your thoughts about the rumors that if Mayfield fell to two, that the Pats might have made a move for him? I think they would have. And I think that would have been cool for the Patriots because having a guy like Mayfield go be under a guy like Brady would just, it, it would be like, it would kind of set up this continuity. Mean- it would, I think it would make up for the Patriots giving up Garoppolo in a way. Because I think Mayfield's going to be special. But. I don't think he'll be the best quarterback in the class. I think Josh Rosen will be the best quarterback in the class. He's going to an established franchise, the Cardinals. With a new head coach. With a new head coach. But they have a, they have arguably the best running back in football, except not excluding Saquon Barkley um, <laughs> and David Johnson. They have – Fitch is still there, right? They have good wide receivers like John Brown. They, they have a good team. They have a, solid, they have a good defense in place. And Rosen stepping in there to a, he's not going to a bad team. He's going to a team that traded up, a team that just missed the playoffs, right? And he's angry. He could, he was a guy who could have been the number one pick. No one knew what was going to happen going in, and then he ended up falling to ten, being the fourth QB drafted. Dan- That's disrespectful to him. And I think he's the most talented passer of the group. Love that. So I think he's he's a competitor. He's in a in an interview before the draft. He said. I've been set. I've been always been second, and look where those guys are. They're nowhere, and I'm here. So maybe that's what's going to happen again. I think it's huge. He went to a dome. I just think quarterbacks play a lot better in domes, especially guys used to warm weather. Yes, and Daniel. Speaking of warm weather, it's hot in here. Yeah. Why don't we get a hot take to match the vibe? Hot take. So I mentioned that I might have a hot take with Terry Rozier, and here it is. Terry Rozier is a better point guard than Kyrie Irving. Question, clarification. Yes. Emphasis on point guard or basketball player? Emphasis on point guard. Okay, great. I'd say, especially in the Celtic system where, you know, it's all about pressure, defense, getting out on the break, and then once you calm it down, slow it down. I mean, they're both very good. But I think what he's been doing there, he gives them such an edge and such a quick – and it changes the offense because Kyrie is a, very, a guy who will slow down the game and just kind of go to work offensively, right? Give him a little shimmy, give you know, put – Put the handles on. Hundo P. What? Hundo P. Hundo P, like 100%? Yeah. Nice. I like that. Um, but nice. Rogier, it's, like, it's, it's kind of like this, this very aggressive, just going to pull up. Feisty. Feisty. He's got a little rust in him. He's got a little rust in him. The acceleration, the... Right. I think better shooter, though. Better shooter, yeah. So, Terry Rozier, I'm switching to hot take, better than Russell Westbrook. Re- wow. Donovan Mitchell better than Russell Westbrook. Basically, all the guys who went to Louis, Peyton Siva better than Steph Curry. Uh, what was Peyton Siva's shooting guard name? 
Russ Smith. Russ. Russ Smith had like 100 points in China in a game. He's like, he was like averaging 60 through five games at one point. How much do you think LeBron would score in a game if he played in China? 150. How long are they? I think they're the same way, but no one could play score every possession. But like, like fringe NBA guys go there and just dominate. Okay. Like I have a question league? for you. How many points would... Michael Beasley. Oh, we already know this. We already know what Michael Beasley would do in China. He won. He won two MVP. He won an MVP in the All Star game. He had. He had a sixty point triple double. <laughs> you think? <laughs> <laughs> so China, China Michael Beasley versus China Clay one on one. Who wins? China Clay. China Beasley, because China Clay is kind of out of it. Has China Clay? It's a trick question. Played? He never. He doesn't replay. Really like he had the the three sixty dunk where he hit the rim and then fell. In China. Yeah, that was China Clay. Who's China Clay? Not Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson in China when he visited okay, cool. China, and like, it was like he just danced around and it was weird. Daniel. Yeah. I'm hot. Yeah, I think we gotta go. We gotta, you know, get a fan I on need or some something. Some air conditioning. Yeah. We have many fans. We're grateful for our fans. Yeah. But we need a different type of fan. We need right a fan now. that you know cool us down. Fans, thank you for making us feel so cool, yeah. even on such Ooh, a hot day. Nice. Alan Sokolov, Daniel Schaff, Sock and Schaff Pod, we are out. We're out.